More like the clown gris. Am I right? Hey everyone, it's Michael Swaim at Framerate, I guess. The podcast where we rate frames. I got my cohort uh, here. I'm Abe Epperson. Uh, I'm the other guy. We rate frames. That's right, and we're at it. Which is that I'm just going to pick a big bone with that. Is that the right phrase? I'm going to pick, pick a, a bone? big bone. I got um, a bone to pick. With yeah, it. I got yeah. a bone to pick with this movie because it's called Robin Wright at the Congress, and I don't understand why. Here to explain <laughs> is our very special guest. Please introduce yourself, special guest. Robert Brockway. Wow. And I'm not explaining shit. You kind of made up for the fact that you don't have your soundboard just right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I'm, we're, we're going drive time on our own podcast. So I'm trying Great. to really bring that drive time energy with me wherever I go, like in my personal life and podcast bring that life. Angry, unfocused, ephemeral energy. Yeah. Small to, gong with me at all times. To our serious discussion gong. of this art film. <laughs> Guys, I am not going to mm. do great at the art part. Oh, well, there's so, uh, there's so much art. We'll see. I just found we'll out see. this second that Usher syndrome is a real thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And I assumed it was some kind of reference to Usher. And I was waiting for Aaron to just start busting out smooth R&B. <laughs> yeah. Lo and behold, no. Not. Nah, no. Not so much. <laughs> nah. We should thank uh, the person who graciously brought us all here today. Thomas God? B. Tommy B. Yeah. Oh. And all, and, and, I mean... I've, have you ever seen him in the same room? I haven't. Thomas B. and God, uh, no. We That's opened true. up the Pick the Flick on our Patreon recently. If you haven't heard that news, that means you can uh, pledge to decide the movie we cover. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's what Tommy B. did. And, uh, you know, like, so here we are. And thank you, Tommy B. Yeah, thanks, Tommy B. That thing that our sister network, Gamefully Unemployed, does every Thursday... We do it like, I don't know, every two months. Then we stop doing it for about a year. Now we're going to do it when we feel like it. So thank you, Tommy Mm -hmm. B, for introducing (laughs) us to Robin Wright at the Congress, a film by Ari Fullman. We've covered, of course, Ari's previous film, Waltz with Bashir, which was also a pick the flick, I believe. Yes. Uh, Was that from Tommy B? I can't recall. I can't love him either. Yeah, don't hold us to it. And uh, we usually start things off by asking like, Robert, first of all, thank you for being here. And second of all, how'd this hit you? How'd Robin Wright at the Congress hit you, huh? We picked you because you write highly imaginative, artistically ambitious, experimental sci-fi, which this technically is. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it hit me in a couple of places it, <laughs> with different severities. Uh, it, Had you seen, have you seen Waltz with Bashir, by the way? I have not. Okay. I have not. Um, coming into this cold... Uh, I enjoyed Perfect. parts of it quite a bit. I love the mm-hmm. animation. Uh, I do feel like just a little bit that it may be built like a lovely home inside of its own asshole and then just lived there. <laughs> yeah, like and Jonah like, and the ass. The classic Yeah, just tale. started a life, a new life up in yeah. its own asshole. A little bit. Uh, it wasn't that I got nothing out of it, but it was definitely... The kind of art that somebody makes where they're trying to communicate something about themselves and they don't really care if you get it. Yeah, like a big art. Like yeah, let's big get a art. big art. Big going, capital A, you know? cap capital R, yeah. capital T. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm fucking art you. Art you right yeah, in the no, face. I I think you might have you might be onto something there. Uh what we typically do to really start it off is if you can like kind of summarize the film oh like, fuck you as well like kind of you can be brief about it well you don't have to be detailed yeah. but like let's we're talking about how high art this thing is let's let the people know kind of what this movie is about yeah there's right. a fair I've, chance I've heard, the listeners have not seen this one if i were to very guess fair. yeah i've heard frame right before i knew this was coming and mm-hmm. i still right. didn't think to prepare for it because there's just, this is probably the least, what is this movie about? All right, like, so either right. you can, uh, we'll give you the option, synopsis or uh, eight separate soundboard effects in a row. 
Oh, oh, yeah. easy. Okay. That is. Yeah, he's just going to do like. That is muscle, muscle horn, man farting, horn. like a muscle fart, a really strong muscle fart. Uh, not two saying them. You got to do them. Yeah, come on. I didn't bring my soundboard. Ah, See, this is interesting because this is the, the this is talking about the artistic difference between a thing that indicates a thing and the thing itself. I God, disagree. Much it. like the film is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Give us the breakdown of Robin Wright at the Congress as best you can, understanding that that is literally an impossible task because it's kind of an abstraction at some points of the film. And and this is, I'm assuming, less than a four-hour podcast, which mm-hmm. is what I would mm-hmm. need. Uh, okay. So Robin Wright stars Robin Wright as Robin Wright, but mm-hmm. I guess a really shitty version of her, which was a a weird decision, like right from the jump, everybody <laughs> hates Robin Wright is not something I was on board with. You know what right. I mean? Like like if this was Sean Penn, I would get this movie, but uh Princess Bride, everyone's <laughs> like, fuck that lady. Ro- Robin Wright fucking sucks and everybody knows it is not like what I came into this thinking. But that's where she is. She's an aging actress. Uh this was 2013 2014 uh 2013 yeah yeah so she was considered past her prime by hollywood standards at least and she is called in to uh to the studio one more time And the studio is doing a i forget the exact term they are sampling that's what it was yeah Mm -hmm. they are sampling actors rather than uh having them come in and be in movies they are sort of motion capturing and like just sort of spirit capturing, voice capturing to make virtual actors. And that's what all of their contracts are going to be now. They're, they don't want to deal with people anymore. People are not reliable. They, they suck. They, uh, they don't want to deal with it anymore. So they bring Robin Wright in to have her sign away the, the rights to her, not Period. just, not just her, her likeness, <laughs> yeah. but, but like to herself as an actor. They, they say, they go out of the way to say like, you can't, act ever again in anything not even like a school play or whatever like your your persona as an actor becomes ours after this and you will live on as this different person and she is not on board with it until they say like well we're gonna make you like 34 forever and she's like oh fuck yeah and then she signs the right <laughs> is it the same meeting where away. they call her a stupid whore by the way pardon uh, you're going to some... have to be more specific because they yeah. do call Robin Wright a stupid whore like 800 times in this Quite movie. Quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, so again, get... not something I came into this with like Robin Wright, you know, the stupid whore. <laughs> Another classic drive time soundboard effect, by the way. <laughs> going to add that one on there. Uh, so she she has been li- living somewhat peacefully and strangely outside of an airport for some reason with her kids. Uh her son has a disability that we just found out was real called Usher syndrome, where he's sort of being locked inside his own head. And uh, she wants to take the time to like get to know them and get to spend time with them away from acting. So she takes them up on this and they sample her. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like what Disney is doing to Mark Hamill, but in like a sci-fi utopia where they ask for permission and give you money. Yeah, yeah it's kind of came metaverse-y. out in 2013. I feel like if it came out five years later, they would have just said deep fake. Yeah. It's a deep fake, but they didn't they would have, have that just, terminology. The yet. actor wouldn't have, she wouldn't have been in this movie. It wouldn't have been her coming in to <laughs> have a discussion over this. Yeah. <laughs> you would have just seen the virtual one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, she agrees to it. And uh, then we time jump like 20 years later and she is rolling through the desert and coming to this sort of hidden resort theme park studio never really clear exactly yeah. what it is uh the but place she has they to... now make for this i think yeah it's action. it's i don't know if it's where they make movies or if it's what they make instead of movies it's mirror mount which is their studio analog it's it's their their lot more or less mm-hmm. and to enter it she has to take some uh some brain drugs some movie drugs i guess Mm-hmm. Uh, that make her animated and they make everybody else animated and this becomes an animated movie after I want to say like 40 minutes like 40 yeah. minutes in it just becomes an animated movie mm-hmm. and remains an animated movie almost all the way till the end Yeah, uh, and then it goes up and it builds a nice house inside of its own asshole and it lives there and it, it starts taking care of plants and it, uh, it learns to knit <laughs> it just... So she goes to this resort 
and the studio heads are there and there are the same studio head is there is jeff green who i is that a real yeah. person yeah jeff green played by danny houston okay but it's not see they did very thin analogs with a few other people and i was wondering if right. that was a real yeah. guy because yeah oh i i don't know. i would like, imagine I he's at least sued based on someone but yeah i don't know of a famous like asshole executive named jeff green or anything Okay. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, there is one, but I don't think he's the one they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, every Jeff Green is kind of an asshole. Like, if you want to be real about it. Yeah. Coming um, down hard on Jeff's. That's uh, that's rough, man. I'm sorry, Jeff Green. You know what you did, though. <laughs> and you know. Uh, so she's here not to have fun, but to sign a new kind of contract. And they say this, this whole thing we're doing with like everybody becomes cartoons. And uh, you have like a virtual persona. This is all over now. And the next thing is like you become sort of a drug, definitely a substance is the term they use. And all the people are just going to take you. They're going to fucking get crunk on Robin Wright uh, from now yeah. on. That's that's what the kids say. Uh, they're going to get righted. And yeah, they're going to free base Princess Brad. Get right. They're going to write up because that's what everybody wants to do in the future. Get right is, up. Be or become or or eat. They specifically say eat Robin Wright several times. You'll be a milkshake, mm-hmm. or you'll be a right. A milkshake. People can inhale you. People can drink you. Yeah, but there's. They, I mean, I interpret it that a certain way, but I think it's open to multiple interpretations for sure. Right. Let's go with milkshake on that one. Mm-hmm. So they want to make Robin Wright into a milkshake, and uh, she does not like this. But it's kind of not up to her. Uh, the some sort of rebels invade this studio and there's there's like a guerrilla warfare battle in this animated land as she becomes trapped in like the hallucination of this sort of animated substance self and there's a big plot with uh well not necessarily a plot there's no plot from now on (laughs) but there's a big scene where the the rebels are tearing down this sort of old system and she mentally travels to cartoon utopia where it's this shifting timescape where everybody's inside their own heads and they're sort of each other's hallucinations. She gets a pill, a wake up pill, essentially a red pill from John Hamm. Yeah. Um, well, we haven't even gotten to John Hamm. By the way, speaking of building a home in your own butthole, he is a, John an Hamm? An, he's an animator named true liner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is what I mean. Uh, so then the, the animator writes himself in, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he has been the animator of Robin Wright, of the, the head of the Robin Wright department for the last 20 years after she signed her rights away. And he fell in love with the puppet he made of her. Mm-hmm. And so he went to find the real her and he saves her from all of this. And they, they disappear into this new world where every substances are sort of people are substances and everything's sort of interstitial. And uh, she wants to finally leave it to go find her son because uh, you can't find anybody in here because everybody's different. Everybody becomes whatever. You skipped her getting cryogenically frozen, but it kind of doesn't matter. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember when that like she got cryogenically frozen. And then this is later, but it's also still inside of her head. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm skipping. A well, lot, it's another 20 years I'm later. Sure. Technically. Yeah. It is, yeah right. Time is, we lose time. Yeah. It's another 20 years later, but she's not really anywhere. She's still in this, like, at some point they say time doesn't matter and it's all subjective here. So so I'm going to say that, too, about my mistake. Mm-hmm. It's time time sure. is subjective. Like, you just you just don't get it, is, is what happened. This and is I, a Roger Rabbit spinoff, so make sure you <laughs> fold that in as well. It's it is kind cool of a fucked up Toontown thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little cool world. And uh, she wants to leave. John Hamm gives her this pill that he's been keeping. It's like the only thing he asked for is his severance pay, which will get him out of this this substance hallucination world. And he gives it to her and she takes it and wakes up out of the matrix, out of the cartoon sex matrix. And in just, I don't know, like 70s movie New York. Like just a kind of a trash. Yeah, it's where they all have been. Escape from New York kind of world. Yeah, Yeah, it's very Escape from New York. It's very like what the 70s thought New York was going to be in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she wakes up there and everybody else is, you know, hallucinating except for 
I guess an upper class of people, just sort of the caretakers of the world. And they're all up in blimps. So she goes I can hear you rolling world. your eyes right now. Mm. Yeah, you can. I, I'm sorry, my levels are off and my eyeballs are usually not that loud. But absolutely, yes. Uh, so she goes up into blimp world where the upper class lives to try to find her son. She finds this old doctor and he tells her you can never... You never see him again because everybody is inside of their own minds and we're all different people there, but he can't send her back. And uh, it's going to be, it's, she's not even going to go back to John Hamm because now she's a different person and so they won't link up. And she goes back, she takes the pill, she goes back to Delusion World, only she decides she wants to be her son so that she can find her son. And so she lives her life as her son and then finds her son in a field flying planes and says hello to him as her own son. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind the of, movie. Yeah. yeah. It kind yeah. of, um, if, or again, it's, this it depends on your interpretation, but it's kind of dark city ending. It's like she, the cleverness right. is he says, well, there's no way you could find your son, but here, take this drug that will let you be anything you want. And she says, well, I want to be my son because then I'll know everything he did and where he is. And that allows her to somehow mm-hmm. find him, even though he's unfindable. You fucking tricked uh, me, Robin, right? This is why everyone says you're a piece of shit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Budget, 8 million euros. Box office, $356,000. Well done, yeah. Robert. Thank you so much. I got to say, guys. I love mm. this movie. <laughs> I also like this movie. I think it's, it's flawed, but it's like yeah. I'm into it. I'm. In, I I'm think super it's super into it. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of the more like conceptually one of the cooler sci-fi's we've gotten in the last several like a few decades. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. That far, I was gonna go as far as That's, I like, didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the end. I was the end. That was the end of the thought. I didn't yeah. hate it as much as I have in it's, in other movies over the last several mm-hmm. decades. Uh, this one I hated less. I don't know. It, it was interesting, but it definitely it stopped. It's the kind of art where they stop giving a shit about the audience, which is both the best kind of art and the worst kind, depending Agreed. on like how you jive with the creator. Like it's either yeah unlocking either in, things in you forever, or you're like sometimes okay. you yeah. 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 No, I totally know what you mean. I just think that the concepts of play are very cool, so you have a lot to think about. But like if you you basically should just go watch The Matrix is my opinion. <laughs> because well, you like, should put on the it's Matrix the same thing. and being John Malkovich at the same time. But it's like yeah, yeah. But it's like well, uh, you play Cuphead. because it's not designed to be a Western like a like a Western hero mythos. Like there's no narrative structure so that's why especially in act two and three you really feel like things are like i don't know this just feels like an experimental movie because it is you know and there's there's things i think that he's doing uh the director is doing to tell you that all the way through like don't expect this to be that um but yeah yeah mike you want to talk well i i wasn't as on board i i I mean i was still on board in the sense of a traditional sci-fi thing where I'm like, okay, I see it's a dark comical satire about how we build up or, you know, celebrity culture is essentially the reaping. Like we build, we build up a Britney Spears or Robin Wright or whoever. And then we hollow out that hollow out their realness and make them an avatar for our own uses. And then we don't care what happens to the real physical meat based person that they are and we just discard them and move on and Mm. that is sort of the lot of the actor celebrity in our culture and i do think that there's i immediately have a chip on my shoulder when a movie is about movies being about movies being about movies all the way down nested refractorily but um once the animation kicked in it certainly helps that i do have a soft spot for like betty boop fleischer era animation it looks yeah yeah, it really looks like cuphead or uh yellow submarine or some shit but and and coming from i think having seen waltz with bashir so like it didn't jar me that i knew the bulk of it would be animated going in Mm -hmm. um i love trippiness and i think that the ideas at play do bear out and it basically 
the core concept to me or the thing that resonated with me the most is something that I've often asked myself as a wannabe storyteller, filmmaker type is, uh, you know, we, we often talk about automation taking away things like checking out at the grocery store or coal mining or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we're now getting to the point where technology can take over creative endeavors and do a fine job. And if that continues, is there a time, is there a future time that's not that far off when instead of going to a movie, you can just take a pill that gives you the impression that you went to a really good movie. And is that bad? Isn't, isn't that the same? Didn't you get the same result? Is there a problem with living in your own filth in a pod Right. Being fed art, or even not not question. real art, but being fed the feeling that you just saw art. Yeah, at one point <laughs> they talk about that, like this is all like Jeff Green says, like this is all actually kind of reminiscent of what we saw at the beginning of the movie, where he's like, movies are dead. It's this now. It's the metaverse. And then uh, when we're in the metaverse later, he's like, okay, the the metaverse is dead. The next thing is it's just streamlined, like we just straight up put connect into your brain and just release like the fundamental or like hormones and the chemicals present in the the human brain that simulate Robin Wright. I think the hardest, the hardest to buy facet of the premise is that Robin Wright would be the thing around which we keep perpetuating the technology. Yeah. (laughs) She kind of, I mean, there always has to be a logo, right? Right. There always has to be something, but yeah, it's funny that it's like, Oh yeah. Princess bride. I guess this, you know, they, they make, take too much that time piece to discuss stuff that not all of us know about Robin Wright. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, Robin Wright, you know, Princess Bride. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we all know that. And he's like, you know, Texas. I was like, oh, I didn't know she was from Texas. Yeah. You know, she, she and had all of these story. other roles. Everyone fell in love with her. All these. And I was just like, oh, OK, I guess that everyone's like really tapped into the Robin Wright like lore and hates her. Like both steps of that. The the first step that you know everything about her, the world is obsessed with her. And the second step is, and you fucking hate it. God, you hate her. You hate her, but you want to be her. They needed to give her a kind of justification to take the scanning, like do the thing. Because otherwise, like they had to make it seem like, oh, she made bad decisions. But they didn't really say what they were. They kind of did. They were like, you did drugs and you, you were very difficult on set. Mm-hmm. But like no one wants to work with her anymore because she's so difficult. Um, I guess that's it. And lousy I just don't feel like that justifies saying, yeah. the hate. Yeah. Lousy again, choices. Were we doing subtle, not so subtle digs at Sean Penn for, for this? Because that's I everything they describe is Sean Penn. Yeah, I wonder about that. Uh, and there's a lot of conversation about like you d- you're doing it for your family as well. Um, yeah, that's something that crossed my brain. Yeah, and they also reference uh, who do they say? Keanu Reeves has been sampled. We see Tom Cruise mm-hmm. in the animated world, right. although he's never called mm-hmm. out by name. I think in you're the not credits, legally he's just allowed like, to Top Gun. To say his name. Yeah. Well, what's haunting about that scene is you're not sure if that is actually Tom Cruise. Like it could or couldn't. Yeah. I think you're assuming that they are because he's like, we're the only ones like left. I was know? assuming it was because he is sitting outside Jeff Green's office. Yeah. But that's well, maybe... the thing. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like kind of like that Beetlejuice, like uh, in that section where they're all like queuing to hell. Like no one knows each other's situation. And the idea that like no one has identity anymore. Mm-hmm. All identities are fluid. Yeah. Um, and it can be shared instantly with anyone is like really fucks your movie up to like a primer level in my opinion that's another interesting aspect to meditate on is we are moving towards a place where identity is more and more fluid what if you take that to the nth degree and identity dissolves and you're like but yeah it's weird how everyone's still obsessed with the classics like we see many many people becoming clint eastwood and i hope he's not still (laughs) that relevant 40 years from now you know but. within 50 years all of us will be robin wright or clint eastwood that's right we'll just yes. break into con- two like factions well frida Kahlo's in the mix it could have been not be tom Timothy cruise Chalamet. at all there what are you talking about? because we are shown explicitly right before that how everybody mm-hmm. else changes shape and yeah. you can be whatever you want and you can license tom cruise shape mm-hmm. it could be anybody there like obviously he's he's piloting the tom cruise cartoon meat vessel but it could have been could have been right. paul giamatti 
just with you know, that's true we didn't mention confidence uh, issues giamatti is the doctor that who lives in a dirigible at the end and <laughs> there's also uh harvey keitel so it's if a you're good cast, yeah, keitel fan, yeah very good there's cast. a when we get into the animated world and these and she's at Abrahama or whatever mm -hmm. the the you know cartoon city Xanadu, yeah uh <laughs> there's way way too many like wispy haired tall redhead men that it's just like why is everyone I, was that Conan O'Brien was there like everyone wants Conan to be Conan, yeah. I kept thinking I, spotted I thought that it. was it's weird true. Yeah, because we just see people in the distance mostly, and it's not like they have to like do their likeness. And that, a lot of them clever. are art references, like the guy with the apple for yeah. a head, or you know, or, Horus from Egyptian folklore, yeah. or various forms of the Buddha appear. Other celebrities. I saw Cindy Lauper in there. I saw Conan O'Brien eighteen times, as we've mentioned. Yeah, exactly. everybody wants to be a seven foot tall, pale, pasty Irish guy with a huge head. You I give me ultimate freedom. I kind of want to talk about just because Robert's coming in, uh, which I think is a super valid opinion of like why it why it doesn't work for you. Like cause it's up its own ass. But I want to kind of like see if we can diagnose a little bit of that and like why it kind of worked for us or like for some reason we were uh, blind to that that kind of thing where you're like, ah, it's fine. Let me I uh, want to point out one thing that okay. I don't think uh, that Brockway probably doesn't know and see if that helps at all. Is that in it's semi based on a novel, Polish sci fi novel, The Futurological Congress, that has mm -hmm. so, like, in that middle part. So, The Futurological Congress, the book, the only it's a highly experimental book with the kind of meanders and doesn't have like a super solid through line. But the key sci fi concept of it is that the character exists in this hallucinatory state and there's a rebel you know there's guerrilla warfare going on and he falls into the sewers beneath the congress just like robin wright does um and he keeps thinking various things happen where he escapes or he gets frozen and he wakes up or he becomes the president or he blah 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 but every single time he just wakes up in the sewers again and goes Oh no, I'm just still tripping. It was just another hallucination. I'm still yeah, in the sewers. I can't tell what's real. I cannot escape from the sewer and I never will. I just keep waking up back where I started. Everything is bit. a hallucination. Yeah, it's a good bit. And uh, so I just think it's, it really unlocked the movie to me to realize that the whole middle chunk of the movie when she's in the sewers is that. Because we do get multiple, which by necessity is, Mm, sloppy storytelling only in the traditional sense of like tight you know this therefore this therefore this because you're having things happen that quote unquote don't matter because we immediately take them back and they didn't happen so in simple terms what really happened is robin wright allowed herself to be sampled 20 years later robin wright goes to the congress and gives her impassioned speech that's basically like an Oscar speech against climate change, you know, but it's against all this shit that's happening, sampling of actors and whatnot, falls into the sewers, gets uh, an OD of the hallucinogen. Then a bunch of that shit is just hallucinations. The real thing that happens is her getting frozen, waking up 20 years later. The world is now a dystopia where everyone's an unhoused uh, refugee from a carpenter just, movie, but they're yeah. all on drugs that make you be whatever you want. I love also the sci-fi concept where they're just like, oh, what? A, what is this society? Well, it's a bunch of people in like tenement learn living like standards mm -hmm. on the ground level, and all the elite are in these blimps that just poo gas like hallucinogenic drugs onto the populace constantly, just gassing the entire populace so that they just stay absolutely mute and that's like a very like huxleyan and orwellian mm -hmm. like it's both you know yeah. that's kind of cool to me you got to take your son's kite to get there okay yeah. the thing that so let's yeah, <laughs> yeah tell yeah. us what didn't work for you because the kite image didn't work for me that's one of the few things where i was like mm -hmm. who cares about the kite what does the kite mean i didn't get anything out of the kite see it was so much of that where it was just trying to go trying to portray something as maybe more significant to this specific story than it was like the kite and the the whole airplane flying thing. I, it's yeah. never tied into anything. She said, maybe this is when I you think. say this was a book, I immediately thought, 
oh, this would be a way better book, right? Because then that's much <laughs> yeah. more about you could disappear into a headspace, into perception and into uh, like your sensation and where your thoughts lead and like the world's bleeding together and in and out of each other. I think that works better in a book than it does in a movie, even if it's gorgeously animated, which this one was. It was fun to watch. Yeah, you but, would uh, say that. <laughs> I mean, you write trippy sci-fi books. Uh, I think I think yeah, the cat represents something specific, honestly. But that's it's just my read of it, because the kite is almost never not represented without the danger of it getting, which is a weird thing because I don't think that really happens. Do kites get in the way of planes and they crash? Is that a thing? Because the airport originally, where the place where they live in the real world, before they go, like we jump ahead in time, uh, Robin and her family live near an airport, and the airport like the kid keeps going out to the airport and flying the kite and like the um like the security guard keeps saying like you can't live here like you can't do this like this is like one more time and we're going to call the police and you're going to like they're basically going to probably evict I mean you he just whatever. trails off to I got the implication one more time with this goddamn kite and, and I will let you. my dog rip your son's rip face your son's off. face yeah. off yeah yeah and then later it happens and I think what it is is it comes down to choice right there there several times in the movie I think it's a little messy, but it's actually pretty like there's one really good thing, which is that like this movie doesn't say that choice is like an illusion or that choice will set you free or anything like that. That's typical sci fi, you know, trad. But it's more about like the pain that comes from choosing comfort. Right. How like I guess technologies that comfort us or chasing individual success or legacy or ego all distract you from spending time with people that matter right it keeps you from like the real real and sometimes the real real is painful and sometimes your son has usher syndrome and sometimes they fly kites and make mistakes and do damage to the world but your choice is the thing that allows you to do that and it's sometimes a good thing to like that's what the movie's saying is that yes by choosing comfort over cho like choice or freedom or identity uh it is very comfortable that's what the society is now but you lose kids flying kites making mistakes which is what she really should have done for her son it's what really identifies her son who her son is uh and all these things being taken away from her so i think that that's what the kite represents is kind of like just the choice to do something even if it has negative repercussions. Incidentally, okay. she's super not concerned about whatever became of her daughter or where her daughter is or what her daughter's up to. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, her daughter she's just like fucks kids. off and becomes a rebel. Yeah. Rebel. I've got I've got a take on the kite. Mm -hmm. And it's Okay. Yeah, it's it maybe is. going to be a little controversial, so I hope you'll bear with me on this. <laughs> I, I mean, think, we'll find out. I think the kite was supposed to fuck the plane. <laughs> right? To create yeah. Uh, what? kite planes, Plight? man. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, kite planes, because he's obsessed with the gliders and everything. That's what it is, right? You're with me. He is obsessed with flight, and they make a big thing out of the right, the fact that her name is right, and he's a right. Yeah. They call him the third right what? brother. Oh, right. See, this There's is like right so family. many, so many little things that you're like, uh huh, and isn't that a thing? Like just slipped yeah, in like, there, I that, guess. that wore me down. Yeah, but like the it, I'm I'm a little serious about the kites on the planes because that was said over and over again. And when he's trying to explain why he keeps flying his kite in front of this plane, mm -hmm. and the sister's like, "Oh, is it? Did it come from Fort Lauderdale? Did it come from here?" And he's like, "None of that matters." And he tries to explain to her, and it's like, "It was it was the red and the sky and then the plane and like he just it's kind of an aesthetics thing, I guess, for him. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of him being." shut down from the world and that he is un unable to communicate, you know, why he likes this or what this means to him or what his experience is. And then the plane, I think, was supposed to be something about the external world, about the sort of utilitarian aspect. Right. And so it was, and then when they cut to the animation, like they go and they fly a kite in, you know, hallucination world. And then a, a bird plane comes flying in and it, it kind of like coos and, flips around the kite like they're gonna fuck and then they do touch and it explodes and it crashes and right just... the right yeah then the kite blows up the yeah and then they they bone on top of the explosion which was awesome i'm, I'm here I for mean, that 
I think that's right. I think you're right. I think that that's the uh, there's a little of that because I think that that's there's a moment where uh, for uh, where for Ari Fulman wants to like tell you, oh, there's a there's an indecipherable moment where it's like when you choose that comfort or like like lose that identity or whatever or lose that choice. Um, those two things seem like they're in simpatico. Yeah, it was, um, there, there's a symmetry to it, but it was his like it, in the reality, you can abuse it. Yeah, it's, it was his his sort of views on the world and trying to communicate what was in himself mm-hmm. with what the world needs from him coming from outside, and then they meet, and it's they finally do meet, and it's disastrous because it's not always going to be a good thing. Like you want that connection, but it's not always right. going to be good or healthy or healing. And that's why kites can't fuck planes. And yeah, what is the (laughs) what is the reality? Yeah, the dick is not aerodynamic enough. The kite can't get up there. Uh, And yet, reality is your son is going deaf and blind. You know, like reality is unpalatable or whatever. You age and die, and you don't get to be exactly who you want to be. You don't get to do exactly what you want to do. And I guess I just find it endlessly fascinating and ironic. It's almost how like Eminem when he was coming up. Had pulled this trick on me where I'm like, you don't get it. He raps about how he's a piece of shit. Like he, he is his own. So you he's know, not the. He's exactly. He's up his own ass about understanding. At least he understands he's a worthless piece of shit. And that really resonated with me as a shithead teenager. And uh, I, <laughs> right. I think the same trick works here. Where I, it honestly, I find it powerful and fascinating to think about the idea that. Here's a piece of art that is highly artified, if you can call it that. Like, you know, it's animated, it's abstract, it's really like swinging for the fences and trying to be capital A art, uh, as Robert said. And the message seems to be, no, but for better or worse, there's some value to reality that is intrinsic to reality, that it is preferable. The truth, even if it's unpalatable, is preferable to fantasy. And yet this is a cartoon that is a film and what it like film itself is the convenient distortion of reality to do whatever we want with it. Like that's what stories are. Right. And in a way that's what our identities, our identities are a composite of our memories, the stories we tell ourselves and stories are wildly inaccurate. Like our identity is comprised of memories that are stories that we have cobbled together and edited and adjusted and retold over and over and over and varnished the edges off of So I guess I'm saying I would be one of the people huffing these ampules as fast as I could. What is the inherent value of reality? Who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. That's the question. 100%. I would huff huff the art world. You'd be in the cartoon. I'll huff art right now. That's the thing. It's it's like a movie for, uh, what's his name in the Matrix? Cypher? Oh, Joey like the Pants. Steak guy. Yeah, Joey yeah. Pants. He eats the steak and he's just like, it's a movie for that guy. It's like, yeah, let's follow that character. Uh and then show just how terrible it is. Time. But and also at the end, beautiful. You got to see your son in and you guys get to live forever, I think. I think they might live forever. Yeah. It's it not might, really gotten into it. Might get yeah. to the, Both as it, the son. I two, mean two of if, him forever. If Paul Giamatti kind of each other. If Paul Giamatti still looks that good in forty years, I will fuck my hat and eat my kite. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> all of that. Yeah, I'll fuck a plane. Is. I'll fuck a plane into the ground and then roll like around a, in the I'll explosion. I'll become a kite and fuck a plane. Impressive, also that she. It was really easy to find Doctor Barker. That bothered me. <laughs> that see, that's what I think. It doesn't matter. Sign outside the blimp. Really fails at is it's not good at getting you on its side. So all that, like, I do feel that there is a lot of up its own ass mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the imagery. But I think that the fundamental, like the house itself, the foundation is actually very sound. Yeah. But the problem is, is that they because they didn't choose like something like the Matrix, where it's just like let's follow Neo, who's like a special boy, and he like you know challenges the system oh, and breaks out. yeah and it's like perfect we love it that we're simple dummies who love simple movies and you can do some wonderful things with that because it's not in that palette i think i reacted to this movie in a way is where i was like ah it's it's hard getting me on its side it also does things like mike just mentioned where it's like constantly 
just making it easy for her. She just has to walk to the next spot. It's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland, really, mm-hmm. where it's like there's no agency really in the movie. She just has a want and lightly goes through things, doesn't like think of plans, just kind of moves ahead and gets there. It's also very like stalker, uh, you know, yeah. like it's it's a lot of these types of things which are never really they're not like blockbuster right they're never going to get us with story so because of that we get these a lot we get a lot of these things firing off uh like oh there's a lot of cast here i'm expecting this movie to be better constantly but these scenes continue to just be ambling nonsense um, unless you're just straight up a fan of animation which i can't stress enough that the animation yeah. is just baller like it's just fun to watch oh yeah it's very well done yeah Get uh, high on art and watch this art. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the, it's constantly contradicting itself. That's what I think I was getting at with the Eminem thing. That's is every other good. track he'd say things where you're like, "Man, this guy's a homophobic piece of shit." And then every other track he's like, "I'm a homophobic piece of shit. I hate that about myself." And you're like, "Ah, this is a he's a nuanced How real rap of you. persona." Yeah, I um, forgive you. Like this movie, I, I forgive you, Eminem. I forgive you. Uh, this That's movie. All I wanted. Even raises the idea that at the end, like this is just occurring to me now, but she literally took a drug that lets you see whatever you want. And then the triumphant ending is, oh, she did find her son after all. Did she? Well, that's what or she is wants. she just seeing what she exactly. wants? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. cool to me. <laughs> in fact, there's a line about that earlier in the movie. Is it dark in here or is it just in my mind? And the robot says, everything is in our mind. If you see the dark, you chose the dark. Oh, fuck you, robot. This- just turn the goddamn lights on. Just turn on the, yeah, yeah, I know. But it, like, it's really about the agency of like the desperate, right? Like the post-apocalypse is like a choice mm-hmm. is what they're trying to say. That's uh, the which, only note I wrote yeah. down for this podcast, by the way, was that line. I The other half of it is um, she goes, does that, it looks dark. Does that make sense? Or is it just in my mind? And he says, everything makes sense and everything is in our mind. Right. She's um, like this movie. It's overwritten to just drop that on us. I agree with that, but that is a cool thought. It is a cool thought. Yeah. Uh, The other one that I wrote down was the symmetry contradicts art uh, one. Mm -hmm. Use the TV. Uh, They're doing it like it's he's talking about the uh, weatherman is talking about unfinished animated rainbows that they have. Oh, they're like, we apologize. The rainbows apologize good today. And they're and then they like kind of double down kind of like in a they live or a 1984 kind of way. They're like and like, remember, symmetry contradicts art. Mm -hmm. And I actually don't agree with that, but that's neither here nor there. It's just that uh, like it's trying to. They're trying to, the structure of the society is one that it is like trying to defeat art, but Mm -hmm. also the the methodology in which people actually interact is art. So it's like very contradictory in its, or paradoxical in its like setup already. I think I liked the main through line of the movie. Like if you had given some sort of stripped down version of this to me, a little bit more focus. Uh, well, it probably would have been something more like, I don't know, a scanner darkly or something. It would have been, mm-hmm. it just needed less. Right. And uh, it was constantly, it had like one thought and then it was like, here's my thought on Kept sex. Going. On like, isn't yep. it weird that we have sex? And now let's do something else. And it's just, it it danced around like a little too many things when it I had agree. a lot to focus on in the main, in the main thoroughfare. Those were a lot of mm-hmm. very hard questions that I felt you could have spent more time with rather than skipping around yeah Yeah, and man you know what i really would have wanted to see is i want would have wanted to see like the other people and their like what's going on in like a just a pick a random person and do a like a random like montage or just do a like spend a moment a day in the life of a modern a day in the life of literally one of the other people who isn't robin right and you get a perspective of like the cost mm-hmm. a lot more because she's kind of sheltered because of like her privilege. So you kind of see everything from outside. So you don't really feel like, Oh, the soul of humanity is being torn apart from itself. You don't really feel the stakes in the movie. Yeah. You feel like Robin, Robin Wright may not like this. She looks, yeah. Like, yeah. she looks a little confused. Mm-hmm. I also like if this, this is going to be maybe really petty, but something about the length of the scenes bothered me. It's mm. 
it it feels indulgent sometimes and that it would have a long scene but really it's not very long it's certainly not as long as they needed we were trying to jam maybe too much into too small of a package because every time they stopped and took their time with something it was amazing it was so good the the um the speech with harvey keitel when he's oh okay that speech yeah when he's getting her scanned yeah and she she needs to come to this emotional place and instead of like you have the scanner there saying, give me sadness, give me happiness, mm-hmm. give me happiness that turns into sadness. And she's just kind of, it's not really working for her and she doesn't want to do it. And Harvey Keitel takes over and he starts telling her like his story of his life and how he, how he see things, how they came that there. That time he abused some kids. <laughs> <laughs> that time he made a buck 50 off some freaks. <laughs> and that's what I you get from you. <laughs> when he that's... giggled and- and they got me for abusing handicapped kids. He gives this really messed up speech, but the She's... messed up speech, the entire like point was he was really just either maybe being honest and it happened to fit, or maybe he's just a really good liar and is making up this mm. story that happens to take her through every emotion they need to see for her. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of a close up on Harvey Keitel talking to her with like reaction shots of her quietly smiling or whatever in this scene below. It's a very long scene, a very long story. A really mm-hmm. fucked up story about how he, yeah, he abused handicapped kids. And it obviously resonates with celebrity, right? It's a story of celebrity on a Robin Wright, scale. that piece of shit, loved it. He yeah, knew that yeah. was the, the story that yeah, fucking it, Robin Wright needed to hear. It kind of felt unearned. I unearned that it made her laugh, then cry. I don't know why cry, that story yeah, made her cry, per that's, se. That's, to me, like, the exact thing that, like, the I think the director misses in, like, it, if you really want to connect to people in through your movies, like, you can't fudge those little details. The fact that she is, like, Robin Wright Penn as an emotional being is not a car that you can put in a certain, you know, like, uh, you know, put it in one or two or three in terms of the drive shaft. It's like, we're, we're, we're not really... Also, she's an actor. Like, that's the other thing is like the way that they, the guy approached it. We're like, all right, give me sadness. Give me happiness is kind of that's how it works. Kind of. I mean, mm. usually there's a little bit more context, but like ultimately it's like do the thing. We're trying to get your tears. So show tears. Find just realistic tears. Like, that's it. her job. She can't even do her job. She needs to, which is weird to me because she's supposed to be. She this needs great her actor. manager to like coach yeah. her through it. Yeah. And that was, so that me- messed it up in my mind. And I'm like, come on, man. You're doing too many things at once. And it's not, you just give me kind of like what Robert was saying. Give me an isolated moment where I can really focus on what the stakes are, what the conflict is. See, the, I, the what I liked about that specifically, I actually really liked that speech because it wasn't like the story was connecting to her. And you're right, maybe that parts of that were unearned. But the story was was all leading up to his revelation at the end is like, and that's what I'm doing to you. You're the little freak I've found and like. Mm-hmm. The reason, like, you being such a fucking problem and such a mess is why you need me. And, like, that's that's where I come in. And, like, you you are sort of doing this to yourself and I am, like, this parasitic entity. And then that, I don't know, I loved that moment. I yeah. love that he came to that moment of, like, this is, this is what I need as a manager is I need for you to be a wreck. Because the bigger a wreck you are, the more you need me. I thought you were going to yeah, call exactly. out the uh, speech from the Miramount president, which uh, is my favorite moment in the really film good. is the you know the dudes in their tidy whities doing the taika drums and uh the guy in the judge's robe talking about how we're all gonna drink the milkshake and we're all gonna live in the brave new world getting like sniped from the rafters i love that right. scene yeah it gets assassinated uh yeah that scene is pretty like that one really engages us into like, all right, it's 20 years later and society is fucked. And all, yeah, w- when the movie's being clear, it's very clear. You're like, oh, okay, this yes. is a dystopia. I see. Okay, right. got it. <laughs> but because it wants to kind of play in the nebulous space of like, is this real or not? And it does the experimental kind of maneuvers to, you know, push that. It also kind of creates this feeling of nothing matters. Uh, and that's also a problem with the film, in my opinion. Well, and a it's limitation. Like you just don't or, feel the stakes. Not even a limitation, but a unique aspect of the medium, mm-hmm. right? Ari Fullman got this movie made by relying on something he's really skilled at and has experience with, which is animation. The metaverse will not be cell animated, almost certainly. 
No. Um, Be cool so if you, it was, so. you sort of have to meet him halfway and imagine that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this think, is the metaverse. I get it. Okay. Mm. This is standing in for the metaverse. You know how her- everybody loves 30s animation, right? <laughs> right yeah. yeah. I mean, they do. They're making it. They made a cu- uh, Cuphead TV show, which, by the way, had got has gotten terrible reviews. Yeah. I'll uh, it. Because just base your entire thing it. off of a, a visual tactic. Yeah. Okay. I'll snort uh, Jurassic uh, Park. Milkshake. Mm-hmm. I'll see, yeah, I'll drink that milkshake. Yeah. Getting back to Ky- Kaitel's kind of speech, I think that the function of that or like that, the power of that scene to me is it right up front tells in the movie, like exploiting weaknesses or flaws is like the ad hoc viewpoint of progress in society. It's like, what can we get from someone, you know? And that's what they're doing, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's also shows a human side to the manipulations and the things in like 1984. We just kind of say like, those aren't people. That's like Big Brother, right? We say we, we separate that. We build like a, a barrier of the humanity of the evil and the evil itself. Uh, I like that this movie chooses to say like, look at evil look literally at evil right now isn't it kind of beautiful in a way and then now you understand how it things can like unravel so quickly because you can be lured in by this comfort this idea that like you don't have to even work at your job we're gonna print a version of you that does the job you just get the money Mm -hmm. that sounds awesome you know Mm -hmm. yeah similarly i really liked the runner maneuver that is Along the same lines with the cinematographer who then is sampling her and then in the cartoon world is the one lowering her into the cryogenic freezing chamber. Right. Like the craftsman who just, I mean, I got to work. Still it's got his there. job. I'll do whatever job you give me as right. as the responsibility narrows and narrows and becomes less and less interesting and more just busy work. Right. And you start to feel like he's a form. Like he doesn't even have to be the same guy. He's just the guy who's always there. The gaffer. Yeah. The guy who's always drinking coffee and fixing the lights. That's her relationship to those types of people. Uh, and so people now are just like chess pieces moving on a board, uh, according to Ari Fullman. I think that there's a little bit of this like free will doesn't exist thing that's happening, but he doesn't come out right out and say it. Do you think we'll get AI generated screenplays someday? Uh, yeah. That, that we I then do. follow through we'll and execute on, like it. we film them. You think it'll I be think an we'll experiment? But I think that uh, art has to change, and computers are not good at being like the antenna of society. They're just good at reflecting it. So mm-hmm. we'll like engage in it and be like, "This is kind of interesting," and then we'll dismiss and or say, "Or we'll no, make the, a really weird, fun sitcom with AI driven." Yeah dialogue and we'll be like that was a weird right. fun experiment we have yeah. to crack the question like what is intelligence before we can answer a question like that certainly we're going to mess with it and do fun like that's already happening i do think you'll see a serious effort to uh to get that through especially maybe come time the next writer strike the next big one where <laughs> we really don't want to pay for you let's see what happens and then that's, maybe right maybe some the real... studio heads dipshit nephew can like Go through and yeah. tweak all the times. It's like gets into Hitler a little too much. Interesting that chaos. Jeff Green doesn't. <laughs> Jeff Green never worries about his. Jo- he's always got a job in every reality. Like he's either the guy leading the firing squad or the guy driving the blimp or the guy. Yeah, you like, always need an asshole. Also, you always need a middleman to just do nothing love, and take the money. It's it's really on the nose, but it's really funny to me early on. Jeff Green, they, like one of the stipulations is like, she doesn't want to play Nazis or like, do porn th- yeah, or do porn. Like she has a whole list. Right. And one of them is or Nazis sci-fi. or Holocaust victims. Yeah. Or sci-fi. Yeah. That's just, up it's dumb. that is up its own ass. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, uh, to be honest, but, that was where it started. I was like, okay, fuck you. Yeah. All fuck right. you. Yeah. No, I, that that's well-deserved. Uh, the, uh, but the idea of not wanting to play Holocaust victims or Nazis and like you kind of see why uh but then jeff green's response is like no they're great those are great things to be like those do well for awards yeah so it's like you literally have a guy saying like i like nazis and later he is a nazi and i like as a nazi and she's a holocaust victim (laughs) and she's a holocaust victim it's it's pretty on the nose that's for sure but also but it works it it translates it gets the meaning across i liked when sarah says you could play a Nazi. You have great range, mom. You could be a Nazi or you could be a Holocaust victim. Uh, just as a foreshadowing of 
I mean, yeah, when you say it out loud, it sounds so obvious that it becomes dumb, but it's like identity yeah, it is does, fluid. Doesn't it? You can become anything. You could be on one end of the spectrum or the far other end. Right. right. Yeah. Huff this. It's, I thought they did a pretty good job too. Also of displaying like the, the content that she's in when she actually, when she's like, when she's Robin Wright, the avatar, mm -hmm. right? It's like she's in a movie that's like literally Dr. Strangelove and the Slim Pickens, uh, like, descending on the bomb you know thing plus yeah. she was in a uh, robot whipping movie which i'm all about I'd metropolis straight up yeah it, uh yeah there's straight up just there's like she's in a, like a remake of children of men at one point it's very strange she, uh, yeah in the future society the robin wright that they sampled becomes the star of some kind of action vehicle that's almost like triple x if it was a little more sci-fi are <laughs> you are you are a robot fighter yeah. or whatever yeah, it's a reference to robot. And all the yeah. robots hate her because she portrays robot violence incorrectly. Yeah, it's uh, Rebel Robot Robin. That is her character. Robot right? Rebel like, Robin, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it does a lot of cool, like, honestly, when I look at this kind of, like, let's tap into gathering little artifacts of pop culture. Like, it, if it had the budget and the Spielberg of ready player one i think that this could be a lot more engaging for popular audiences but because it's kind of on the niche and it's kind of on the uh, auxiliary of like pop culture it can only make light references it's like oh we're referencing tom cruise the person not like top gun but also he's wearing like top gun glasses mm -hmm. so like think of top gun but because they can't get over all that copyright as well like it's it never lands i think the the main focus of what this movie is trying to say about like how we're sliding away from individuality and into this kind of collective identity um and and that can be a, a dystopia or a prison of its own um is a it, it kind of gets lost sometimes because if this was a bigger more like it's i wish that ready player one had a lot of this stuff and i would or i wish this was a lot more like the, a more I special wish ready boy. player one wasn't what it was and was instead yeah. this <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no I mean, I wish you, had structure. Gotta, you gotta hand it to ari fullman who's coming from the world of being a documentarian like yes it's yeah. uneven but it's a pretty goddamn ambitious story to tell when Super. you're coming from documentary to now do this and yeah. to do something that is basically ready player one use it playing with the same themes of like anything can be anything. It's an imagination world, but on an That's 8 hard. million euro budget. That's so low for what this is trying to accomplish. Yeah. I admire his chutzpah for just like yes. taking this on. Absolutely. Um, and I think it was a man. Yeah. I thought this was a good choice just because I think there's like, just in this conversation, I found it fascinating. Like there's a lot of things at play, mm -hmm. uh, though the movie, if you're looking for like, should I watch this movie or not? Well, if you can track it down, I definitely suggest it. Uh, I also just think that it does separate because it's not like a traditional storytelling narrative. Mm -hmm. Uh, it does separate from the enjoyment of the film to someone who's, you know, diet is usually reserved for, you know, like what comes out in theaters here. Unless you're just down with cartoons. Because, again, once the yes. animation kicks in, it's also just kind of delightful just to look at. Visually cool. Yeah. I legally have to recommend it uh, because it, <laughs> I think it technically had Grace Jones in it. <laughs> That's great. That's so great. Well, thank you to Tommy B. Yeah, Thomas B. Thank you to well Robbie B. Robbie yeah. B. Robbie B. Drive time, Robbie, Robbie B. B. Getting you Way through that rush away. hour traffic. Um, where can people find you and Sean Baby making boing boing noises, Robert? You can find us making so many boing boing noises with various things, with, with the soundboard that we've just gotten. That's what I'm plugging. That's I'm plugging God. our soundboard. Full it's of chaos. gong noises. I promise you, gong noises, air horn, slide whistles, at the Dog Zone 9000, or... Uh, text-based slide whistles at yes. 1900hotdog.com where we have yes. me, Sean Baby, Lydia, Brandon, Tom, Alex Schmidt. Fucking, we got everybody. We got all your favorite people and we're not giving them back so you gotta come over and see us. I did yeah, one. I technically, I'm you technically in there. there. <laughs> yeah. You did our most perverted guest. You oh, also yeah. did our most perverted podcast. Swaymar, are you a pervert? 
Yeah. Ooh, he is. Oh, I gotta go, so guys. <laughs> the pervert exits. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you! <laughs>